1: another special edition of the quarantine stream cp from Knicks fan tv A man jay ellis from the nick of time show special guest with us Yeah, he is a former heisman trophy winner he played point guard for the new york knicks for nine seasons a leader a warrior high character Mm-hmm. Quality athlete, Charlie Ward in the building. Charlie, how you doing tonight, man?
2: I'm doing just fine.
1: Um, I guess enjoying life
2: down here in Tallahassee. I haven't gone very many places, but still enjoying life.
1: Yeah, and that, that that's all we can do, you know, just just taking do, one day at a time. You know, uh, be, before we kick into uh, the interview here, obviously the, there's a lot going on in the country, you know, there's a lot of Tension and turmoil, a lot of emotions flying, anxiety. Um, not too far from you in, in Brunswick, Georgia, we had the Ahmad Arbery situation, his, his murder, unfortunate murder. Uh, we had the Breonna Taylor incident in St. Louis. And, and just recently, we had uh, the George Floyd murder um, in Minnesota. You know, you have kids. Uh, you also coach uh, a, a basketball team of young men down at, down at Florida State's prep team what's been how you know how' that all these events kind of impacted you and what's been your message to both your family and and your team
2: uh well, just you know to our boys,
1: we're just reiterating
2: to them you know the importance of um you know being respectful um whether it's to authority to one you know friends. Uh, but also understanding the reality um, of being a a black male Mm -hmm. that, you know, these types of things happen, even if you haven't witnessed it. Um, But these are, you know, incidents that that occur and you have to have a plan. Um, You know, I think a lot of times, you know, it's nerve wracking when you get stopped by a cop um, and you know, you've either been speeding, uh, but it's another, you know, whole nother thought process when you know, you haven't done anything wrong, you get stopped by a cop. Um, and so, you know, it's just understanding, you know, respect authority um, and, you know, do what you've been asked to do and let your kindness, you know, be your, your card, um, as opposed as opposed to what we've seen, um, knowing that if you do um, go against authority or talk back to authority, it, we've seen it go a different direction for us, for the most part. And so we just have to be mindful of those things. And, you know, we're working diligently every day to teach them, you know, about being respectful to authority, being obedient, um, and doing the things that God has called them to do and to be, um, and you know, and, and also just keeping their eyes open, uh, understanding that sometimes uh, what you see uh, when it comes to uh, interracial relationships, you know, we've seen the, the other side of it. If something goes wrong. But we're also seeing where things go well and there's no issues. But there are some family members that may not like it, and and so just understanding all those dynamics and things that you have to talk through and think through uh, before you jump into those type of situations um, is something that we we talk about a lot.
1: Yeah, that, it's interesting, and you know I, I have an infant son here in, in my home as well, and you know that's a conversation that that I you know, plan to have with him at some point. And as you said, it certainly could be a nerve wracking situation, whether you were in the right or in the wrong, just those encounters with, with, with law enforcement are, are oftentimes tense. Um, yeah. So, you know, hope we, we hope for justice, obviously in, in these cases and, and hope for healing for, for our country and, and ultimately we'll have some unity. Um, but, you know, as I said, we definitely appreciate you coming on and, and giving us some time and a welcome distraction to these things to kind of share your moments uh, the the good old days, as we would call it, with, with the Knicks. Um, so as we kick it off, you know, you were a superstar athlete at Florida State, a two-sport athlete uh, with football and basketball. We've had other two-sport athletes come in our lifetime, Bo Jackson, you know, playing football and baseball. Yeah, Deion Sanders uh, going to your alma mater, playing football and baseball. John Elway as well. How were you able to maintain, you know, the discipline? To, yeah. to balance both sports and excel at both sports at such a high level? Um, well, I do, I have a book out uh,
2: and it's called The Athlete and it's uh, called The Athlete because that's what I did. You know, that's what I enjoy doing, uh, being an athlete. Um, and so growing up, I played everything uh, when it came to uh, ball at the end of it you know I, I enjoyed um, doing those things where we played in the streets, uh, played in the backyard, played them you know in the neighborhood uh, playgrounds wherever it was I just enjoyed being an athlete and once I got to college you know I made up my mind before I got to college that I wanted to play both sports. Um, I didn't know I would have the success um, in either sport uh, but um, I just knew that I wanted to be able to to compete um, in basketball and football because I enjoyed playing sports um, and, and you know it worked out you know in the end when I was in school for five years which was a dream come true for me I was grateful that you know I was able to play uh, uh, be in school for five years so I got redshirted uh, my second year I was a punter my freshman year and I got red shirt my second year in college mm. in football and that's when I went out to uh, play basketball full-time um, starting in October um, and that gave me a leg up because I, I was red shirt in football and so coach Bowden allowed me to do it um, and I went out and enjoyed it have you know a good season and that kind of started my clock in a sense wow. of playing uh, basketball uh, full-time once I finished you know, football. And so for the next um, two years, um, uh, for, the, for the next year, the next year after uh, the year that I played basketball full-time, um, I went back, I was back and forth um, from playing football, because I was still a third string quarterback. Um, and, and so I wasn't getting any reps and game reps. Mm. Um, I was more a scout team. And so I was back and forth in November, the month of November, and the uh, first part of December when we were getting ready for the bowl game. Um, and then while we were at the bowl game, you know, I went and played some basketball games. Um, I flew, I practiced in the morning. Um, and then I flew out that that evening to go and play in a game the next day, um, you know, a basketball game. And then I flew back to um, to to bowl practice, and so you know that was fun because I was you know playing two sports. I'm enjoying it, and then once I started playing my junior year, um, I I had to you know I played football. Um, the entire year, and then I would go out for basketball um, either the week after, uh, which was my junior year, I went the week after. My senior year, I waited like a week and a half or so before I went out because of the bowl game. I uh, was beat up pretty good. We played Nebraska in the championship game, and so I had to allow my body to rest uh, for a little bit before I went and started playing basketball. I bet, yeah. Um, You know, I just enjoyed it and I was grateful that I was at a great university that also helped me achieve achieve my goal of uh, getting a degree uh, Mm. while I was there. So, you know, in the five years I was able to obtain my degree in therapeutic recreation. And so that was another milestone and accomplishment for me to be able to get my degree before I left. And then I had the luxury of playing two sports on top of that. So uh, I definitely had the American dream for sure.
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, I know you ended up winning a Heisman, um, but you're one of the first, I think you are the first person to ever get a Heisman to not play in the NFL. Um, So tell me what led you to basketball instead of playing in the NFL? Like what was that process? Or what was that
2: uh, well, well, the whole process for me was uh, my senior year. Uh, after the football season, um, I made up my mind that I was gonna go and play basketball uh, for, uh, for my senior year at FSU. And so because I was a senior um, and one of the leaders coming back to the basketball team Um, I just felt like it wasn't right for me to uh, go and leave them high and dry. And secondly, I wanted to leave my options open for potentially playing in the NBA. Um, And so with that decision, I knew there would be consequences, just like all decisions have consequences. Mm -hmm. Um, The consequence that I knew I would have is I wasn't going to be 100% committed to the NFL because during the month of January is when they had the draft um, and I wasn't prepared to go to the draft because I was playing basketball. And so I missed the combine. Oh, okay. Um, back then the combine wasn't like it is today, but it was still a, a process uh, for the NFL draft. And so I missed the combine because I had a basketball game and plus I was not prepared for anything um, to to compete or do. Um, and so that uh, with that whole going to play basketball my senior year um, opened up the door for me to have an opportunity to play both sports. Mm. Um, even though I knew that I wasn't 100% committed to the NFL with that decision, but it still gave me an option um, to be able to to either work out one, which I did, um, pro day here at Florida state. Um, I did my pro day. Um, but after my basketballs, my senior year in basketball, I really, um, chose to spend more time preparing for the NBA draft. Okay. Because I was behind.
3: Hmm. So. All right, there were some guys who might have thought that, you know, in the 90s, um, black quarterbacks weren't necessarily looked upon as guys who were desirable to to lead a team in the NFL. Um, and also, you happen to be a, a six-foot guard in the NBA. Height is also something that people regard in the NFL. Do you feel like those things contributed to you not being drafted in the first round in the NFL, or, or was it just that you just kind of took off?
2: Um. Uh, I think there's a little bit of both, um, you know, during my time, there was Tony Rice, Major Harris. Um, those guys were slightly above or a little bit taller around my, my height, but they're athletes as well. Um, in their system, you know, they did what they needed to do. Uh, they ran the ball, they threw the ball, but they weren't prototypical quarterbacks Mm -hmm. where they were going to drop back and right throw the ball and from the pocket the entire time. And, and so that was, you know, the knock on most of us that, you know, we were athletic and, Mm -hmm. you know, we would potentially be able to move to, you know, move to a different position because we were athletes. And also there was that notion that, you know, we, we, If we didn't do well on the Wanderlick test that we didn't, we couldn't think, you know, properly, Um, that was the notion out there. Uh, I'm not saying that that was actually spoken to me, but, you know, that was what, you know, one of the things that was talked about. Um, And, you know, it was just a different time um, than where we are today. But one of the things I couldn't change was my height you know, God had given me a certain height at that time. Um, but you know, there are other intangibles that I, I possess and I was, you know, I always looked at myself, uh, as a guy, very similar to Joe Montana mm. and uh, Steve Young. Uh, those guys were, you know, six foot six, one, um, same, you know, frame work as me. Uh, but it just wasn't the right time, you know. I just came yeah. through at the wrong time, um, and you know we weren't given get given those type of opportunities, especially in the first round yeah. and the first pick. Even if I were to go and thrown and done all necessary things, you know, I I probably would have would have never been the first pick. Now there's a possibility of me being the first round draft pick because there were then there was Danny Green. Mm -hmm. who's the head coach with the uh, the Minnesota Vikings and Tony Dungy was there Mm -hmm. as well. And I know after hearing coach Dungy uh, speak one time at a black uh, coaches convention, um, he mentioned that they were potentially looking at me as a first round pick to go to Minnesota. Right. Um, But they were unsure that I would, you know, that I was 100% committed yeah. to the NFL, which I wasn't.
1: Yeah, yeah. And as you said in your book, you know, Tony Dunchy was, was a huge ally of, of yours. Um salute to everybody in the chat, once again, hit that thumbs up button for your boys. We're talking to former Knicks point guard, Charlie Ward. Tonight's hashtag jailers. Let's, let's do a uh, hashtag war 21. Throw a war that 21 yeah. in the chat to salute mm-hmm. Charlie tonight. Um, Charlie, you know, when you get drafted by the Knicks. They're coming off of a, a heartbreaking Game Seven NBA Finals loss to the Houston Rockets. The old guard is still there. All the pillars are there. It's 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 Patrick Ewing, John Starks, Charles Oakley, Anthony Mason, Pat Riley, the coach. As a rookie going into camp that year, how did those guys try to test you? I, I know in the book you mentioned you had to run the gauntlet. Can you can you describe to the fans what the gauntlet was and and uh, and how that kind of prepared you?
2: Play, Play, before yeah, for your rookie season. <laughs> uh, well, the gauntlet, you know, was was a rookie initiation um, deal, and so um, I, uh, you know, it was something that I'm not a big fan of—a rookie initiation, especially if it's physical. Uh, you know, I don't mind carrying bags. Going to get food, that kind of stuff. Serving, but from a physical standpoint, I'm just not a big believer in somebody hitting on me just because you know I'm a rookie. Was was Um, okaying on you? Who was that? Was okaying on you? Uh, You know, he's hitting on folks. But (laughs) (laughs) um, I'm glad you're still here with us, Charlie. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's who he is. But you know, one of the things that The gauntlet, you know, it was two lines on, you know, one line lined up across from each other. And the guys, rookies had to run through. And so uh Monty Williams went before me. Um and it's essentially guys run through and they start hitting you with elbows and all that kind of you know (laughs) jazz. And so (laughs) Monty went Monty went before me and he ended up getting caught, caught up. Someone hit him and he got stuck. And that's where he ended up having to, uh, I mean, he ended up getting caught by everyone. (laughs) Busted his lip and and the whole nine. And so when I went through, I kind of waited for Monty to go. And then as soon as he got towards the end, I took off. And my whole deal was all about speed and then using each side against one another. So when one guy went to lunge, I would move out of his way because the other guy wasn't prepared.
3: <laughs> you playing football. You playing <laughs> that's football. It. That's, that's,
2: it. that's <laughs> so I ended up going through, I navigated my way through really, really fast because I went through fast and no one touched me. <laughs> and so, <laughs> And so I missed, I missed that part of the initiation, but I did get the Oakley Oakley treatment, uh, on our, on. Uh, we were on scrimmage, uh, our team, you know, five on five. And I was going for a layup breakaway layup. And he came with his fist mm. and hit me in the nose. Uh, but it was a retaliation because I had gotten him like a few plays before on some <laughs> on something. So he was getting me back and, you know, I knew it was part of the the game, uh, it was part of the initiation part, you know, no layups and those types of things. <laughs> and I didn't say anything. I just kept playing. And from that day forward, I had no issues with Oak, and he
1: also t- took care of me. Man, yeah, man, tough, tough love, tough love. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's that's a funny story. <laughs> you know, yeah. in that there was a crowded backcourt. Uh, the the Knicks had had made a statement when they drafted you, is that um, that your leadership qualities had really stuck out to them. But but, but it was a very crowded backcourt. You still had yeah. Derek Harper, you had Doc Rivers there. Obviously, mm-hmm. Starks was, was a was a mainstay. Um, who were some of your mentors that season? That kind of got you through. Um. Well, I was blessed,
2: you know, to have some great veterans um, you know, in my, in my position. Uh, so Derek Harper, uh, of course, Doc was there for half a year. Uh, Greg Anthony was there. Um, and so, you know, between those three guys, you know, they got it out, admired the most and learned a lot the most from was Derek Harper because of course he was a seasoned vet. Um, he had a family and he kind of took me in on his wing um, in a lot of respects. And so I would go over to his house, his, his wife, Sheila, you know, cook and I, you know, got a chance to see his kids, know his kids. Um, and, you know, that was a big big thing for me because that's what I wanted to do. Um, I wanted to be a husband uh, while playing in the NBA. I also wanted to have kids and I wanted to have a long career and, you know, Derek was one of those guys that had a long career. Even during that time, you know, at that time, um, he had been in the league for quite some time. I'm not sure how long, but uh, that's the kind of career I wanted to have, and so I wanted to learn from him. Um, of course, I also, you know, gravitated towards Herb, Herb Williams, school, uh, because he was another veteran that had been in the league for quite some time, and Herb took me under his wing. Uh, as well, and taught me, you know, how to be a professional. Um, he had some great stories. Some of them, of course, were a little boring, but he still <laughs> told them. Um, but you know, it was all great learning. And you know, there were other guys on the team, but I just didn't gravitate towards them because they were in a different. They were going in a different direction than I wanted to go.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, but. Um, those guys I learned a lot from, um, you know, when Buck Williams came to the, to the Knicks, mm-hmm. you know, I learned a lot from him as well. Cause he's a seasoned vet, Terry Cummins. So, you know, I was a young, young, youngster still mm-hmm. when those guys were coming through um, and, you know, I just always gravitated towards them because they had been in the league for so long. And I just wanted to figure out, you know, what they were doing to make it. Right. And, you know, I was grateful to be able to play, you know, 11 years in the NBA and, you know, our credit, a lot of credit goes to, you know, those guys that I just talked about.
3: Right, yeah, yeah. So the Knicks and Miami, they had a pretty big rivalry. Uh, And there's an infamous rivalry that happened. There's an incident that happened in 1997 with you and PJ. Walk me through that incident with you and PJ Brown. What happened and what led up to the whole... Backflip of Car- Charlie Ward into the onto the floor.
2: Uh, well, you know the Knicks and the Heat, we all had always had um, intense uh, games, uh, series, especially in that series. Uh, there's always going to be some tension because both teams are very similar. Um, you know, it's just like a marriage, just like friendships. Um, if you have people that are alike, they're going to always be you know, at odds with one Mm. another. And, and so that's why they always say opposites attract. Um, And so, but for us, that was what it was. I mean, we were, (laughs) we weren't opposites. We were the same and same mentality, same plays, uh, pretty much the same type players. Uh, The coaches ingrained the same mentality. Mm. And so when those things happen, you're going to have incidents I like the one that happened with PJ and I, and that was more of an intense in the game moment. There was nothing more than that. Hmm. Uh, actually PJ and I are, you know, still friends. Oh, interesting, um, even, interesting. even, even after that, um, he's actually supported, you know, our football programs uh, when I was coaching football. Right. Uh, um, and so we recognize what it was. And also for me, you know, whenever I have incidents on the floor, that's what it is. It stays on the floor, and once the game's over, the game's over. Uh, people bring yeah. it up, brought it up, uh, and I just had to roll with the punches with that piece. But when that whole incident happened, I knew, and he knew, because he was mature as well, uh, that it was just something that happened in the game and in, in that moment, and we had to live with the consequences. And
3: yeah, yeah. At that time, you guys were up three to one, and the suspensions that happened suspensions after that killed th- us,
1: man. Five, we lost five Knicks. Five mm-hmm. Knicks, man. <laughs> right. So I'll take I'll take the blame for it. i don't have a problem (laughs) but did you feel like you know two years later charlie you had the houston buzzer beater in 99 did you kind of feel like vindicated or did you feel like you kind of got some redemption um as a team maybe not yourself but as a team did you guys kind of feel that way when when houston's buzzer beater went down in 99
2: um well someone brought to my attention that we, we we won three out of four um series against them Um, so I don't know if that actually you know was vindication from the for the you know incident Mm. but uh, I I think it was just good for us to be able to get to the next level Mm -hmm. uh, to where we wanted to go and we were of course hc would at the time with some new pieces but Trail Sprewell and Marcus Canby and uh, Kirk Kirk was relatively new mm-hmm. to the uh, group. And so it took us some time to jail because that was a lockout year as well. Right. Um, and so we, we were able to navigate our way through. We got hot late down the, the stretch. I think we won the last six games or something to get into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And we rode that momentum. And back then it was, you know, a five-game series in the first round, and that gives the underdog team an opportunity to uh, steal a series uh, because you only have five games. Right. I'm not saying we would have, we wouldn't have won if it was seven games, but uh, with five games, you know, there's two less games,
4: mm-hmm. yeah.
2: and you you have a better chance of winning if you're an HC. So, but I watched the game, you know. Um, here, I think, last month, and it was a very good game. I mean, we were pretty much down um, in the fourth quarter. And we fought our way back to get it to one um, to when, you know, Allen hit the hit the runner um, to, to put us up, I think, with either .8 seconds or something like that mm-hmm. on the clock. Um, and, you know, it was vindication for us to – to win the series just because we wanted to get to the next series, mm-hmm. but we were also the seed.
1: True indeed. And, and we're talking to Charlie Ward. So to everybody in the chat, hit that thumbs up button for your boys and throw a hashtag war 21 in the chat to salute Charlie. You know, Charlie, as you mentioned that 99 season, there was so much change in the roster. You had the point guard, uh, um, platoon between you and Chris Childs. You guys were able to navigate that very well. Uh, Spreewell was new. He got injured. Uh, Your offense really struggled. Van Gundy's job was on the line. You know, how rewarding was it when when you got past Indiana to really uh, get to the finals? I mean, did did you guys even, did you even think that was possible the way the season was going? Uh, Well, we did
2: struggle, you know, during the course of the year. Uh, because of the lockout year, we didn't have time to gel. And as you mentioned, we did have, you know, injuries uh, because we were playing a lot of games back to back. There were some games, we were, I mean, some weeks we were playing three games in a row um, to try to make up, um, to get to a certain number, which I think was 50 at the time.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: And so, you know, we had a lot of things that we had to navigate through and, as you mentioned, Coach Van Gundy's job was on the line. All of our jobs were on the line, and uh, in, in some form or fashion. Um, and also, being in New York, your job's always on the line. Yep. Um, so uh, that's just part of you know being in New York. Uh, but you know, the good thing was, you know, we had some good foundational pieces. Um, we had some good talent. We knew that if we could ever get healthy or get everyone back playing um that we had a chance. And I think that's what happened. We started to catch our stride late um, in the season. And we were able to run off, you know, when we needed to run off, you know, get on a run to make it to the playoffs. Uh, we were able to do that. Uh, but, you know, just like anything that has some success at the end of the rainbow, there's always gonna be those times where doubt comes in. Mm-hmm. Uh, from the outside and internally, we have to stick together. Um, there's going to be times that's going to, you know, we have to persevere through, you know, the challenges. Um, and we can't listen. You know, we couldn't listen to the outside noise because that would only uh, throw us back even further. And so we just found a way to bond and come together as one team and uh, be able to Mm -hmm. overcome all the negativity that was on the outside. And we used to have meetings and team meetings and uh, player-only meetings. Um, We had quite a few of those during the time. But, you know, when it's all said and done, you know, when you're out there on the court, guys got to be bought into the -hmm. process. And I think, you know, we had enough veteran guys and guys willing to, you know, play as one unit that we were able to overcome, you know, the negativity.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And then it was cer- certainly a, a magical season, you know, certainly a magical season. And that whole run from the Houston buzzer beater to LJ's four point play, you know, the, right. the, the city was, was certainly, uh, certainly proud of you. Certainly, certainly proud of you guys. Even though we, we came up a bit short, obviously, you know, that the Spurs were a juggernaut, but um, you know, the city, you city was definitely proud of you guys. For well, sure. we
2: Of course we were, we were limping into the finals too. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, we were fortunate to be able to win the Indiana series because Larry, mm-hmm. Larry kind of went down midway. Yeah.
1: That hurt. That hurt,
2: uh, us.
3: That hurt us. Yeah, that hurt us.
2: Mid, midway in in the uh, Indiana series, and so we were able to overcome that injury. But we knew going into the finals that it was going to be tough. Yeah, you know, because they had two two seven fours.
1: Yeah, and mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> we just didn't have the the firepower and the depth to be able to compete with them yeah, uh, with those two guys. And Tim Duncan was a, you know, a rookie, but he was still good.
1: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, absolutely. And, and, you yeah. know, Spreewell and Houston go off in, in, in game four and, and Spree goes off again, game five as a magical fourth quarter, the garden is electric. It, when it came down to the final play and, and you're making that inbound and it just got spree a little bit under the basket. As a quarterback, you know, you were the star of Florida <laughs> State. As a quarterback, did did that final play eat at you a, a little bit? You know, to end the finals. Um, I mean, initially, I'm sure it did.
2: Um, now, of course, see it again, I probably would initially. But you know, we had practiced that play, you know, numerous occasions. And you know it was either going to be a hit or miss deal because I don't have to anticipate uh, the slip, um, and so you know it just wasn't meant to be. That's yeah. all I can <laughs> say. You know, yeah, it happens. I, I made some made some 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 good passes, um, like the pass to L.J. Uh, for the four point play. Mm-hmm. Right, uh, he was he was like the last result to resort to uh, getting the ball Um, and that got tipped and he ended up catching it and you know of course getting the four-point play out of it and so those types of plays they do happen and you know it just wasn't meant to be.
3: Yeah Yeah, you know Charlie you had your MSG moments though Um, on Mother's Day uh, game four versus Miami in the playoffs, once again, you know, it's always Miami. You had 20 (laughs) points. (laughs) You had 20 points. And you scored the last nine points of the game. And at this point, you got the garden, cheering your name, Charlie, Charlie. Like, did you dream of that as a kid? Because, you know, the the garden is a tough place to play. So it's not always cheers for everybody. So when you had that garden moment, what was you thinking? And did you ever think it would be that intense?
2: (laughs) Well, I've, you know, During my career, I had the opposite as well. Uh, I've gotten booed, you know, for other reasons. Mm. But, um, and I always talk about enjoying the moment. You know, that's one of the things I tell people today is, you know, whatever it is, enjoy the moment.
4: Mm. Uh,
2: Because when you enjoy the moment, um, you look back over your time and you won't have any regrets whether it's positive or negative. Um, And because that means you've learned, you know, at that time and you've enjoyed, you know, the good and the bad, it only shapes you uh, both ways, you know, it shapes you to be better people. Um, And so, you know, I enjoyed that moment because that was the first time our oldest son, who's 20 now, uh, came to the game. He was just uh, born in February. Um, and so that was his first game um, and, and I was, you know, elated that, you know, <laughs> I was able to, you know, have a very good game, but that was not the norm for me.
3: Had an extra um, mojo that day, extra motivation.
2: <laughs> uh, Yes. Yeah, so, you know, that was great. You know, great moment. Uh, one of my defining moments in the NBA when it comes to just an overall game. Um, and it wasn't, Something that you know I uh, knew would happen all the time, and mm. so you know because I was a role player um, right the trail the trail allen Patrick, you know John, those types of guys they had not if they had not LJ they had nine points in a in a quarter, you know it wouldn't be a big issue because that's what they do all the time uh, but for me, you know, I got hot. Seemed like everything I threw up went in. Um, And, you know, that's just, you know, I was grateful for that moment. And as you brought up, you know, I actually got a chance to watch it. And, you know, on a rerun. And it was uh, something that. I was like, wow, that's me. <laughs> Surprise yourself. I right? did
1: that. Yeah, that's years later. <laughs> uh, that's very interesting. And, and once again, we're talking to Charlie Ward, former Knicks point guard, throw a mm-hmm. hashtag war 21 in the chat to salute Charlie, hit that thumbs up button for Word. your boys. Um, Charlie, a couple more questions for you. You know, As I had said earlier, the the Knicks, when they drafted you, they really pointed to your leadership skills. Uh, I heard an interview with Alan Houston and yourself, and and he mentioned also in the book uh, the Charlie Ward effect. You know, that effect that that you had on the team. Jeff Van Gundy also gave you credit for that. But you were never known to be a rah-rah guy or, you know, the most boisterous in the locker room. So how were you able to command that respect with the, you know, the demeanor that you had?
2: Uh, Well, you know, everyone knew where I stood. Of course, I'm not perfect in any stretch of the imagination. Um, And, you know, one of my slogans or things that I always talk about with people is humility will always win.
4: Uh,
2: And so when I had negative incidents, whether I was right or wrong in the incident, um, you know, I always wanted to. Be humble um, about it. Um, whether it was through apology in the way I uh, treated people. Uh, and, you know, people respect the work part because a lot of them saw, especially Coach Van Gunde, who's my mentor, uh, my coach who helped me with my skill development um, over the course of my uh, NBA career early on. Uh, he saw the work that I put in. Uh, the attitude of being a good teammate, even though sometimes I, I didn't want to be a good teammate, but overall, just having a great uh, attitude uh, for you know my teammates, and then just wanting to do the right things, you know. And you know, there there are a few times where you know some people won't challenge like the best players, but mm. You know, I am I was one, even though I wasn't a, a superstar, I just want guys to understand and know that there are ways you do things and handle things. And so, you know, there's an incident, there's quite a few incidents that happened, but there's one incident where, you know, sometimes as professionals, we get to a point where we get uh, numb to the fact, that someone else may have to clean up our mess, mm. um, and so you know Patrick, after it was after a Dallas Mavericks game on the road, he was upset that we lost and might have been going through a stretch where we were losing games, and he came in and kicked, kicked the, <laughs> he came in and kicked the uh, trash, can. And it was a big <laughs> trash can.
3: At least he didn't punch
2: it like a market. <laughs> uh, So he kicks the trash can and all the trash is on the floor. And so the managers or someone started picking up the trash. And so, you know, he was frustrated and I wasn't so much frustrated with the loss, but I became frustrated because of the response of one of our best players and then expect someone else to clean it up. Mm. And, so, mm. and so I, you know, I just, I just rose up and say, you know, with a strong, stern voice, you know, that he should be the one to pick it up. <laughs> and, and not, and not the trainer. And I told the trainers, don't pick it up. let Make him pick it up. And of course he was in front of everyone. Whoops. But you know, the key was, it wasn't so much, you know, we're all the frustrated but we got to make sure that we're, you know, handle our frustration the right way, mm. and don't expect somebody else to clean up your mess just because you're an NBA player. And mm. that's one of the things that bothered me the most. And that's just one instance with Patrick. Uh, but there were plenty, you know, times where, you know, and I'm, I'm sure I was guilty of it sometimes also. But I just wanted people to know that just because they it may be someone else's job. We don't want to make their job harder uh, by our actions, and then we get numb to the fact that I can just do whatever I want to do, and somebody else pick take up take uh, you know clean up the mess.
3: Yeah, ego neutralizer.
2: <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it, it's just tough love, mm-hmm. and I think people like I I didn't say much um, unless it was. Warranted, um, and I listened a lot, and I watched a lot, but when when it was time to speak up on those types of issues, those types of things, um, I didn't mind. You
1: know, speaking up, being vocal. Very, very mm-hmm. interesting. Very very interesting. Um, couple, couple more quick questions. Um, y- your three toughest guards. You know, you were known for your defense, but who, who? I mean, you were in an era where there were a ton of star yeah. point guards in the those nineties. Who were the kind of? Who would you say the three guys that really gave you a hard time?
2: Um. Uh, well. I mean, who gave me a hard time it was, it was all of them. That you think <laughs> of during that time because all the ones that had red uh, had green lights. Um, there was Stefan Marbury. There's Allen Iverson. Uh, There's Tim Hardway, You know, he was you know on the back end of his career.
3: Yeah, but we always beat them, so it's fine. <laughs> yeah,
2: but he was still tough. Um, you know, Mark Jackson was a different type of tough. Hmm. He was just a big guard, backing folks down. Back then, they didn't have a five-second rule, right? So he was dribbling <laughs> for ten seconds in the post, uh, playing old man, old man basketball. Uh, um, and you know that was that was on the East Coast. Uh, um, of course, I played against Terrell Brandon and Mark Price. Terrell
1: Brandon, highly underrated.
2: Uh, you know. Those guys we played in, in the in the playoffs, Mookie Blaylock, uh even though he was on the back end, but he was still effective uh during the time my my, my early years. But it was that was just in the east. Um and so, you know, out of those guys you wanna pick three? You can pick three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Old dogs, man, old Touché. dogs. <laughs>
3: <laughs> you know, yo, Charlie, back when you played football, you actually played with Kevin Knox Sr., who I read always wanted the ball. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> and, and you do it to him a lot. So I mean, so I mean, I guess the question is, what is your advice to someone like Kevin Knox Jr. who's you know also trying to make his transition to football and basketball? Because you know, Kevin Knox Jr who's on the Knicks right now, play a lot of football as
2: well. Uh, well, I guess the other thing is, is one of those guys are, are trying to get to their next contract <laughs> because apparently I was the last rookie yeah, to, yeah. Uh, <laughs> to get to get a second contract with the Knicks. And so I know they're hoping and he's hoping that he is that guy to get a second contract. Uh, I'm sure at some point they're going to keep a rookie around. Um, They're starting to, you know, draft them and they're young. So hopefully they can keep them around. But, uh, you know, for any of those young guys, you know, when you're drafted to a team that's had a lot of instability and, you know, management, um, the key is, is just trying to find, uh, the things that you do well. Uh, but more importantly, the thing that I found as a young player trying to find my way was, you know, putting the time in off the court, uh, mm. meaning outside of the games. Uh, and and to improve my game each and every day, just putting the time in and not taking, you know, being a first-round pick for granted that I'm going to be here and I'm going to play because I'm a first round pick, but you know, putting the time in uh, when, you know, before practice or after practice, getting your shots up, working on your game, uh, work, being in the community, right. uh, doing all those things that, you know, is going to keep you around and they should feel bad about trading you uh, when you've put the time in um, you know, before practice and possibly after practice, get with the coaches so you can learn, you know, concepts and what you're, you know, watching film with those guys. Um, and then, you know, being a uh, intricate part in the in the community. Um, and so, you know, you want to make it hard for them yeah. to to want to trade you or don't want you to be around. Um, and of course, you know, there's always business decisions. But when it's all said and done, you know, I always say, you got to improve upon something each and every year. And so hopefully those young guys, you know, are doing that. And if you come back the same player each and every year, that means you're not not putting the time in to develop something new. Um, And so, you know, I tell my kids that, who play only basketball, high school kids, um, that you can't come back the same player. You got to come back you got to take the evaluations that the coaches give you, go and work on that, that part of it. uh, And so that you can improve upon something that you may have been lacking the year before. And if you don't do that, then that's when you're subject to being, you know, one of those guys is always in a trade uh, because they don't see your value. Um, And then sometimes, you know, when you do play well, and they may want someone else, they see your value, but now you become valuable to someone else as opposed to a guy that they just throw in a deal. Uh, I'm not saying that's bad, if that is the case, but at least you feel comfortable. I mean, at least you feel better about yourself if you're thrown into a deal um, as opposed to, I mean, if you're putting the time in and the work in and you've improved you at least feel better about being thrown into a deal as opposed to you just not getting the opportunity. Yeah. You have, you haven't improved, and now you are being thrown into a deal because you, your money is right.
3: Yeah. You, you want to make it. the
2: deal. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And salute to Kevin Knox. I know the Knicks see him putting in a lot of work. It hasn't really garnered much success on the court as of yet, but um, you do see him working in all seasons. So shout out to Kevin Knox. Hopefully get it together. I know for you, Charlie, someone who's kind of helped you get your game together was was Jeff Van Gundy. Uh, I was I know he worked with you a lot. He would worked with you from a rookie, and eventually he was able to get to your start because of Jeff Van Gundy on the New York Knicks. Uh, and the Knicks right now, they need a coach.
1: They need a coach potentially. <laughs> potentially, JLs. So, you know we don't want to throw Mike Mill on the busses yet, but yeah, they they're, they're looking. They're they're looking for a permanent solution. Do you feel
3: like Jeff can step in as of now and be part of that solution? If not Mike Miller, because Mike Miller is great too. Mike Miller could be the next Jeff Van Gundy,
2: right? <laughs> um, I've talked, I had Jeff on my uh, my chalk talk series that I do on Ozzy Live, and he's had up, he's he's itching to get back in, mm-hmm. uh, but of course uh, he. He wants the right situation. Okay. Uh, I know he said he's turned down some jobs and he hadn't been able to get some jobs that he, that he really wanted and thought would be a good situation for him. Uh, And I don't know if the Knicks right now are in a position to have a guy like him uh, because of their roster. Uh, And I know You know, there's been talks about one of his uh, understudies, uh, Coach Tom Thibodeau. Yes, Tom. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I don't know. Um, I I think at this point, as I've said, I think I said earlier, you know, it's hard when you don't have the stability in in any organization. I -hmm. don't care what organization it is. You gotta have stability if you want yeah. to be successful long term, and so they haven't had any stability sure. in the front office for a continuous, <sighs> you know, few years. years to be able to put together a product. And they've had multiple coaches come through, and when you start having that type of turnover, uh, yeah. turnover in a program or a system. Uh, whether it's players, whether it's coaches, you're not going to have any success because you may have one year where things go well, and then you, you got to, you know, seem like you got to make a move here, or whatever the case may be. But you know, it's been it's been that way for quite some time, mm-hmm. and until they can get some stability in the front office, they're getting ready to potentially make some more changes in the front office this year because they got a new president.
3: Yep, yeah. Um,
2: And now you got, you know, Scott, you know, looking over his shoulder and they just brought another guy in that's under, you know, Scott. And, you know, it's just one of those deals where it's hard to be able to overcome that kind of, you know, instability in the front office because as I've said time and time again, You know, whenever the president, the athletic director, the AD, the head coach, and you can line them up in any organization, whatever that organization is, when all those people are aligned, you're going to have great success, regardless if it's the first year or second year or whenever it happens. If everyone's aligned, then things are going to, you know, at least – you'll have some success. But if you got any one of those things out of line where one guy's looking over his shoulder because he's not sure if his job is secure and he may go and do something to the team, as I've heard, you know, that Scott, you know, not having a contract after this year um, or whatever the case may be, thinking about what may be happening and changing the whole team or changing some pieces. That may try to fit what he where he is right now, having a one year deal, um, and so now that throws whoever if he doesn't make it, you know whoever comes in now has to go and get some more groceries yep. uh, to fit yes. his, you know, fit his style of eating, and you know as an analogy, but now you got a whole another vibe,
3: a whole another so, reason. Yeah. Yep, I, I, I heard Van Gun. That's it. Sound like Van Gunny don't want us. That's what I heard so again it sounds like Van Gundy don't want us that's what I heard from you
2: uh well I don't know I don't know <laughs> if that's the case but I do know he understands he's been around long enough and he understands uh what it takes to be successful and right now the Knicks of so the stability piece stability. is is mm-hmm. not in place yeah for a guy like him
1: yeah. Like I was I mean, telling JLs, Charlie, I said, uh he doesn't have that much hair left, man. We we can't stress him out too much <laughs> of this team. He's gotta go to a ready-made so situation, man. You see me yeah, evolution, they, Charlie. You see it. So good.
2: <laughs> they they have some they have some good young pieces, the mix. Yeah. They have yeah. some good young pieces to build around. Um, but they should probably think about doing it the way Philly did it, not tanking the way they did to get draft picks, but you know, they're you know, continue to bring try to bring in some good pieces. Um to be able to help those young young guys develop. Yeah. I just know I know for me when I came into the league, I had veteran guys that took me under their wing. Right. Um, and I wasn't I, I didn't have I wasn't thrust it into the 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 process or the playing, you know, right away. Mm. And so I had some time to develop um, but I don't know with the league getting younger each and every year. Uh, you know, young guys are coming in at 19 years old and they're asked to be the leader of the group because they are the first round, first pick, yeah. uh, lottery pick, and now they're being asked to lead and they're just at a point where mature. they're not mature enough to do that. And, of course, they have skills, but as we all know, you know, skills aren't all the things that you need um, to be successful, and also to be able to lead a veteran, or uh, be able to lead a team to either the playoffs or beyond. Um, and so, you know, there there's some they have some time, and I think Leon, you know, he has a plan, just like mostly, hope uh, you know everyone else that comes and, and gets a new job, and I just pray that you know they're able to. Give guys time to work a plan.
1: Yeah.
2: You know? yeah, I mean, if Mike Miller's the guy, and he, I thought he did a pretty good job taking over. Mm-hmm. You know, me too. The Fitz, the Fitz deal. Um, you know, they did what they need, that what they had to do as far as what they thought was best. Uh, getting rid of uh, Coach Fitz because, you know, when when a when a coach feels the stress and the pressure of his job being on the line it trickles down mm. it's a trickle down effect and so it came to a point where there was so much coming from upper management whether it was in a newspaper or you know behind closed doors that he couldn't effectively do his job well because he had so much stress on his plate, and it, mm-hmm. and he couldn't think properly. And as we all know, when it, when we're in stressful situations, it's tough to think. Yeah, <laughs> true. Yeah. You know, I don't care yeah. what kind of you know what kind of situation you're in. It's tough to think um, through stressful situations, and so. It was just a lot of stress, and, and I think it was affecting his job, and, and it was time for him to move on so that the team could progress. Um, and, and Coach Miller came in and did a great job of rallying mm-hmm. the troops and at least making them pers- uh, respectable each and mm-hmm. every game. Of course, they did have some outliers, but for the most part, uh, when I saw they were competing um, and close to winning, and he could be the next Jeff Van Gundy.
1: I said that so many times
2: yeah, on this program. Never know, <laughs> yeah,
1: never know, never know. But as you said, never. the key words: stability and patience. We, we Rush, need it. those two things. And, Rush, and she and said is, the same thing. This, <laughs> yeah, she said the same thing. The X Men said the same thing in terms of having quality veterans. Um, mm-hmm. And we just haven't had that since, since you were there, Charlie, since the last 20 years, un- unfortunately. Uh, and once again, we're talking to Charlie Ward, former Knicks point guard. Hit that thumbs up button for you, boys. And there were Ward 21 in the chat. Um, Charlie, as we wrap up here, these two final questions, um, how do you want to be remembered? What, what do you want your, your legacy to be? Um, you, you know, you, you played nine years with this team. How, how do you want to be remembered?
2: Uh, well, well, first of all, man of character. Um you know, treated people with respect, um, Also community um, oriented, you know, got out in the community to help uh, better the community. A um, hard worker. Uh, that's something that you know I think we all want to be characterized as and you know have a legacy of people understanding know that you are a hard worker, Um, And, you know, just a leader, you know, one that led by example and spoke whenever a voice needed to be, you know, heard. Um, And, you know, always, you know, when I look back over my time, I didn't speak all the time because I always wanted to sit back and listen and, uh, but when something needed to be said mm-hmm. that wasn't right, um, you know, I would speak, speak, speak up. Um, and of course, it got me in hot water sometimes uh, with the media. Uh, mm-hmm. But you know, I just think you know people respect uh, when you one. That's another one. I want to be re, uh, be remembered as you know, having humility Um, because, you know, when you make a mistake, you own up to the mistake and you learn from it and keep it moving. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think those are, hopefully those are the things that people remember me um, by as a Nick. Um, And, you know, the hard work, of course, you know, being, I was a glue guy. um, I think a lot of people will recognize that I wasn't a superstar on the basketball court. Uh, but I was a guy that did all the little things to help a team win. Certainly played defense. <laughs> Whether it was diving on loose 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 balls, taking charges, um, you know, making extra pass, mm-hmm. whatever you know, the little things is going to help a team win. Uh, hopefully, that's what I'm remembered by.
1: Well, well said, and and a- again, we, we we certainly appreciate the time you gave us as a Nick, and and uh, the time you gave us tonight, man. We, we really appreciate all, all the time that that you spent with yes. us. Uh, the fans were certainly appreciative, and as as, as I said uh, when we started, it certainly needed distraction, you know, during yes. this time. Um, as, as we close, do you want to just share with the fans some of the things that you're working on. You had mentioned your chalk talk series. You want to just share with them um some of the, your off the court endeavors that they can um participate and support. Uh, well, yes. I mean, if you go to charliewar.org, you know I have a book that
2: I that I autograph, and it's my 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 story uh, from my family to I mean my earlier days to what I'm not currently doing, but in a sense of high school coaching. Um, and we also have a family foundation uh, where we support um, organizations, um, hurricane relief. Mm-hmm. Uh, my daughter has a, um, holiday notes, uh, where she encourages, uh, senior citizens through music. Um, and we also support, um, youth organizations, um, as well. Um, and then, you know, I'm a high school coach, uh, coach at Florida state university school, AKA Florida high. And, pub- I do public speaking whenever, um, whenever we get back to normal, uh, yeah. normally go and share my story uh, with, share my story around the country. Um, and, you know, last thing, as you mentioned, I've been doing Chalk Talk series on IG Live. So every Tuesday, around every Tuesday and Thursday, uh, this Tuesday we were off because of the black uh, Blackout Tuesday. Uh, but uh, we did it today. And then I'll have Anquan Bolden, on tomorrow nice. Uh, of course you know he's an nfl great but uh he's a florida state alum um and he also has a player coalition uh, that he started um around the time when kaepernick you know started taking a knee um to for social injustice um Mm. and so he'll be on tomorrow whatever tuesday and thursday i'm chopping it up with someone talking about something Um, of importance um, that we can all learn from and just things that um, and it's different you know it's not all sports Mm -hmm. Uh, for the most part most of the people are sports oriented or in that field but uh, we we talk about life issues and life lessons that we we've gone through and we've been able to you know help um, others you know understand it better and you know we're we're not experts. We're just life experience sharers.
1: Right. Right. Well, that, that's excellent. And we just threw the links um, in the chat to your website mm-hmm. and also your Instagram. It's at Charlie Ward official. So you guys make sure you check out the Chalk Talk series, Charlie. Th- thanks again for the time, man. We we definitely appreciate it. You have some people in the chat saying you look great, man. They say you look yeah. like you could still play right now.
3: Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was going to ask you a question. What? What's your skincare routine, man? Like you look.
2: like you're <laughs> You know, got me, the fat of youth, babe. I, I, I cannot at this point. I cannot play. Um, <laughs> I would. I. I can't even run up and down the court. But, um, no, I. Uh, for, um, many of y'all know if you've been following. I think some of y'all been following me. You know, I had a mini stroke about two and a half years ago, um, and. That got me, and I do believe my my, my stroke was related to stress, stress mm-hmm. on a job, um, and led to some bad eating habits. Uh, but when I had my mini stroke, uh, it it gave me an opportunity to hit the reset button. Uh, God gave me another opportunity to be able to get to to work on my you know eating habits, and so I became a vegan, a plant based eater, and you know, I started to exercise more than I was doing before because two days a week is better than zero days, Right. zero days. Um, But, you know, just being able to move and those types of things. Uh, But, you know, I don't, when you start eating plant-based, unless you're eating a lot of sweets outside of that, um, it's hard sometimes to lose weight. Um, unless you're eating a lot of uh, beans Mm -hmm. and rice and just those types of things at the wrong time Uh, but you know it's been good for me um to to you know two and a half years i've been a vegan Mm -hmm. uh eating plant-based diet and you know it's been been very helpful and of course i can say this you know uh sometimes um I mean, it, it, you say it may look one way, but in reality it may be something totally different. Mm. <laughs> so mm. so uh, you have some things well. Yeah,
1: well, <laughs> so we're certainly glad you, you, you back to full strength, or at least it appears to be, and, and right. you know, we're working on recovery. Uh, certainly um, important, especially in our community, to maintain a good mm-hmm. diet and and certainly exercise, maintain our stress levels, especially during these times. So uh, once yeah. again, Charlie, man, thanks again for spending some time with us. Uh, great to hear from you. Great to see you. And, and hopefully you'll, you'll join us again down the road.
2: Yes, sir. I appreciate you guys. Thanks for uh, I know you've been. I think you've been on a couple of times. Of IG, yeah, mm-hmm. um, checking
1: checking us out, and so I appreciate you guys following us. Uh, absolutely, and absolutely. Uh, and we'll be tuned in as well in the Anquan Bolden interview. So thanks again, Charlie. Be safe and uh, have a good evening.
2: Alright, y'all do the same. Alright. Go to New York. Go New York. Go <laughs> hey. perfect
1: segue. Perfect segue. Oh, cool, I'll tell you. Charlie Ward, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> excellent, excellent, excellent. Throw a Ward 21 in the chat. <laughs> that, that was that was a great interview, man. Charlie, thanks again. I appreciate you guys. Alright. We <laughs> are the New York Alright, that was uh, Charlie Ward. Hit that thumbs up button for your boys. Another quality, quality post game live production. We hit the music for him, We hit the music.
4: <laughs>
1: so, to everybody in the chat, man, hit that thumbs up button for your boys. What were your takeaways, Dales?
3: Takeaways, takeaways. Biggest takeaway was. Uh, Charles Oakley
1: (laughs) (laughs) laid the hands of God on him (laughs) during the gauntlet. The gauntlet, right? (laughs) That was the initiation into the 90s Knicks. Imagine that. Imagine that. You got Ewing, Oakley, Mason, Right? You, uh, you had Charles Smith, you had Doc Rivers. You know, right. Doc Rivers had you know had some elbows, man. You're going through Harper, the hand check king. Mm-hmm. Toughen you up. Toughen you up. Hey, yeah. So so PJ thought, you know, he was messing around with with the chicken dinner. Nah man, we're well seasoned nah. here. My man play football. It's not it's not all sweet when you're quarterback, Bro, you he taking some hits. People <laughs> need to realize, like, don't look at Charlie Ward's NBA stats. And equate that to the type of athlete. This this boy was the creme was de la athlete. creme in the country. A two sport. You know how hard it is just to make it to the MB, to the NBA or the NFL?
3: Much Yo, less be considered for both. Listen, listen. Watch those Charlie Ward uh football <laughs> yeah, highlights. Bro. That, boy, that boy is bad. That boy <laughs>
2: was a
1: bad that boy. boy
2: bad. The man.
3: Spin spinning yeah. out the pocket, throwing. 60 yards on the move. Bro. With 200, 400 pound dudes
1: running after. Yo, that dude was not. Charlie was- Ward was a bad man in college, man. And, and again, again, think about this. He Basketball was a, a passion of his, but he played it as a hobby at Florida yeah. State. Hobby. And still made it to the league, first round pick. Yeah. And they he still. Knew that and and knew that he was coming in as a project because he had to get up to speed. And he still made it as the top 300 basketball players in the country and got playing time. Crazy, crazy. It's interesting because you're doing research for this guy. I ran I across ran, a clip of
3: Penny, Penny Hardaway's yep. giving Charlie Ward praise. Yep, <laughs>
1: yep. How about we, we didn't even touch on this, and this is in his book. And his book is very good, man. I definitely encourage you guys um, while we while we um, are in the downtime and the phone lines are up six five seven three eight three one five zero nine, let us know what you guys thought about the interview or whatever else you want to talk about. Um, MJ invited him to his locker room after the Bulls versus Heat game in Miami. Charlie was down in Miami for the Orange Bowl, and MJ was more impressed that at that Florida State had beaten North Carolina in basketball. And he was impressed with Charlie Ward, invited Charlie Ward into the locker room to meet him. As you know, MJ did that, you know, with with certain celebrities. You know. so Charlie was a rock star, man. He, was a, yeah, he man. was a rock star at Florida State. So out here. Um incredible, incredible athlete and stand-up guy. You know, stand yeah, guy. I think know, he played a little can. baseball too. He got drafted by the Yankees, J. Yeah, Ellis. baseball. He got too. drafted picture by the Yankees.
3: <laughs> it was like
1: so, like, do not sleep on the type of athlete that Charlie Ward was, man. He was an absolute beast, an absolute beast. So, yeah, um, man, very interesting. Yeah, yeah, very <laughs> interesting, man. You had Bo Jackson, you had Dion. Um, most recently, you had um, Jameis Winston was playing two sports. So that was interesting, and then the fact that um. You know, he faced some adversity even playing college quarterback at Florida State. You know, there was a there was a stigma, yeah, um, around black quarterbacks. And again, he he mentioned it to you. You know, he in, did in terms of just being the scramblers and and mm-hmm. the, you know questioning their IQ and the smarts and b- ability to read defenses and make the right play. And and he broke down that barrier. Yeah, you know, he's one of the players that For broke sure. down that barrier. But mm-hmm. I think. You know, the NFL, yes, they questioned his commitment to the sport, but I think that was still part of the issue. You know, it's still it's still part of the issue now. You see what they how they treated Lamar Jackson. Most Absolutely. recently, Jalen Hurts. They asked Jalen Hurts if he was going to play wide receiver in the league. He said, no, I'm a quarterback. Don't, like, make no mistake, exactly. I'm a quarterback. Yeah, and, um, you know, in terms of the height situation, yeah, back then it wasn't that many starting quarterbacks around that height. But, uh, you know... Now you look at it, yeah, Baker Mayfield, you have Russell Wilson, you know, Super Bowl uh 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 winner, Kyler Murray's in the league right now, Drew Brees right. who, you know, got dragged all over social media today. We'll talk about that later. But you, you know, know there's a lot of guys uh around six feet six one having success at the NFL level. So Yeah, like man, if it wasn't a running back, he was nothing really, but yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely, man. Hang on one second. So to everybody in the chat, hit that thumbs up button for you boys. Just getting the uh, the phone lines activated. All right, and um, yeah, man, e- excellent interview. Um, Our guy Ward. While we are on the topic of interviews, we got another guest coming on Sunday, JLS. Oh really? We might as well tell the people right now. Because Sunday for the matinee edition, we got Raymond Felton coming oh.
4: through.
1: Sunday, three p.m. That's right. Ray Fel is coming through to post live. Let's get it going. Ray Fel is coming through. Why did we trade you trade hey, Listen, <laughs> first first tour, Ray Fel was, was was solid, man. First tour, Ray was, was, was First was
3: solid. I yeah. I remember when. When Curry torched you, but I also remember when you got that block at the last second. All right.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's he, he Ray Fell Ray, Ray man. He's Ray always fell gonna have solid, man. He, he had, even, the he had the heart. Even the heart Getting tape, Ray Fell was solid. But you he know, was. after that he kind of fell off a little bit. But you know, we'll talk to him. We're gonna talk to him about yeah. all that, man. He, he was giving he was giving Omari all the oops, man. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> uh he, you know, before he left, he was averaging um seventeen and nine, bro. Or seventeen and, yeah. 17, and six, seventeen and nine. Um, so you know that the intelligence system. Have we was, had a decent uh,
3: point guard since Ray
1: Felton? No, <laughs> no we haven't. He might have been the last. He was the last decent point guard we had. He, he was the last. So Ray Felton is coming through Sunday at uh, 3 p.m. So the phone lines up six five seven three eight three one five zero nine. Definitely uh, give us a call and and let us know uh, uh, what you guys thought about the interview or anything you want to talk about. So to everybody in the chat, hit that thumbs up button for you boys. Uh, definitely shout out. Uh, Julian Blum in the chat. All the mods, Park City Dion. How you feeling? Yeah, Mig yeah. Livingston Mills. What's mm-hmm. going on? Nick Flair. How you feeling? Who you, you want to shout out, Jails?
3: Yeah, John Talento, of course. Angel A1s. Uh, Ricardo Custer. My guy Alex Collins, who, who's chat hopping. Craig Williams. Alex Collins, good, man. good? Yeah, yeah I, I, I saw young somebody in here earlier. Yeah, that's okay. for you I know he was here earlier. Mm-hmm. Zach Paton. Oh, shout out to you, Angel. Angel A1, who sent us a super chat. Okay. Uh, he wanted to thank Charlie Ward for being here. Also, Orlando Santos,
1: who also sent a super chat earlier as well. Salute, man. Salute, Alex Holland, checking in from Ireland. Um, super Chats came in. Let me shout out Lawan Williams. Sends us a $10 super chat. Lawan, appreciate it. And uh, Frazier Coleman sends us a super chat, JL. And and he says, um, Charlie, are you going to call out Dolan for issuing a non-public statement about George Floyd? Uh, so let's get into it. First and foremost, uh, rest in peace to George Floyd. Uh, it was announced today, J. Ellis, that uh, the three additional officers who were uh, complicit in his murder um, are being charged as well. So, right. so another inch forward to justice, but just small, small inch. And and hopefully, you know, we'll we'll get some convictions. You know, by the end of the year, whenever this thing concludes. Mm-hmm. Um, your your thoughts on the whole Dolan thing that kind of took up some of our attention yesterday. What, what was your takeaways on that? What were my thoughts on the Dolan thing?
3: I've been very active on Twitter, probably, most of you seen. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't think it's any secret where I stand on this. I feel like Dolan absolutely dropped the ball. You have a building full of Black employees, Black athletes. <laughs> you have a country whose culture is shifting. They're It feels like the wall is coming from their eyes and are actually supporting um the black calls for once in their life. We're living in the city, New York City, is one of the most diverse cities in America. <laughs> uh, we have all these other teams who have the wherewithal to actually stick up and say these things are wrong and make a public statement about it. And Dolan drops the ball and, and says nothing. Now I do acknowledge that Dolan, yes, we've had one of the most diverse front offices in the NBA because of Dolan. But to me, for me, I need the actions and the words together. I I don't just need actions, I don't need words. I need the actions and the word. I am thankful that we did have one of the most diverse front offices ever, but words do matter to me. And I think the reason why, the reason why inequality has happened in this country for so long is because there are good people who claim to be good people who watch bad things happen to people and don't speak up and don't say anything, and that's why thir- t- ten years, twenty years, thirty years, forty years, fifty years goes by, and we're still in the same situation yep. because yep. people don't have to speak up and is,
1: I mm-hmm. he didn't speak up. Uh, I, I agree with you, and, and let me just you know some people may have may not have seen or, or read the statement. So basically, what it was was that you had a whole bunch of sports teams coming out in support of George Floyd, sort of support of George Floyd, some, you know, brave enough to, to denounce police brutality and others just coming out against racism as a whole, as a, as a blanket, you know, kind of kind of support. Dolan right. now sends an email to his employees internally, basically saying that, you know, I know you guys have asked whether we're going to make a public statement. You know, he understands it's a turbulent time with the coronavirus pandemic, civil unrest, so on and so forth. Uh, he, he, we at Madison Square Garden stand by our values of the respectful and peaceful workplace. We always will. And then he says, as companies of business of sports and entertainment, we are not any more qualified than anyone else to offer our opinion on social matters. That part it? right there? Yeah. That was weak. It was weak. <laughs>
3: that part right there, because this, 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 is, this is how I read it, CP.
1: This yeah. is how I read it.
3: I'm going to be very candid right now. <laughs> I do not want to upset the white people who give me money that's how i read it point blank period
1: i think i think i think he was i think it, yes it came out soft in that he was <laughs> scared to upset it was political it was a political it was a political move to 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 toe the fence right yeah and then he he referred to we uphold our values which is creating a respectful workplace for all which has nothing to do with anything that's going on um that will never change what we say to each other matters how we treat each other matters and what And that'll get us through tough times. Again, I don't think it was a bad statement. It was just a little too neutral. And because of that, he came out with another statement yesterday. Right? He came out with another statement yesterday, basically saying, um, you know, we denounce racism at all costs. He said, yesterday I made a sincere attempt to provide my perspective on a very difficult issue. Let right. me be clear: We vehemently condemn, reject racism against anyone. Period. It is very, it is against every value we hold dear. My point yesterday was about the actions and importance of living our, living your values. Uh, at MSG, we have worked hard to build an environment of inclusion and mutual respect, and those values are what we try to live every day. Racism is born from ignorance, blah 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 blah. So he came out a bit more forceful yesterday. Better. Um, <laughs> my opinion is. I definitely uh, uh, agree with you. First off, let me say, I wasn't expecting anything from any of the sports teams or anything like that. To me, that doesn't really bother me that whether or not a a corporation or anything says something. Because a lot of these things are hollow without the actions behind it. But I said, Mm. when he did come out with it, yes, it was internal. I felt like it was a little bit soft. As you said, this is an 80% black league. Your players are black. They are black fathers. You have black employees. It's not to say that Dolan is racist. I never accused him of that. You guys heard me and Oak going back and forth on that. So I never accused him of that. I just thought it was soft. And as you guys said, they said it, not me, that the brand needs a rebuild. They brought in Steve Stout. So why not take that opportunity to take a leadership position? Boom. You are a pillar of the community. Sports is a pillar of the community. If you don't notice that now, look at what's going on. We need sports as as a distraction. In the middle of the greatest city in the world that is completely divided between the community and law enforcement, all of which are patrons and supporters of yours, that was an opportunity for him to say a little bit more. And and
3: let me just get a little personal, my personal experience, because I've, it's been a tough week for everybody. Mm-hmm. Tough week, tough weekend. Mm-hmm.
1: It's been an emotional week, man.
3: Right. Emotional sure. weekend, right? My job where I work at, I've actually been impressed with the way my what well, my place of work has stepped up.
1: Yeah.
3: And actually included uh the black workers into the program and asked us, what can we do? What what do we need to help? They sent out a company statement. They had the blackout Tuesday and they set up different meetings and different Zoom meetings for everybody to learn about the history, learn about what to do to help other people. And they were very forward thinking and personally made me feel a little bit more inclu- included into the company. Like, And to me, that's how you lead. And, and I guess was, for me it was even more jarring because I came from that environment and I'm also saying my company wasn't always that way. It took a lot of work for them to get there, but it got there. So it's not too late for Dolan if, if he, you know, listens, <laughs> you know, yeah. listen. But to go from that and then to reading that to me was so s- scarce. And me knowing what, how I felt about the company when they actually reached out and went the extra mile to to learn and to educate and to ask us, is there anything we can do? Like, I felt like that could be done with the Knicks and it wasn't. Yeah,
1: it it was an opportunity missed. Now there was another debate going on about whether Dolan should speak for the black community or anything like that. That was ridiculous. That was never ever part of of the argument or the issue with the statement. Nobody in their right mind is asking James Dolan to be a, a leader of the black community. No, 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 no. Don't no. Get, don't don't get that confused because that's ridiculous. Like I said. I didn't really care if he made the statement or not. I just thought that when he did make the statement it was a bit soft. At the end of the day, those who are passionate about making a change in the community should still do so. Right? Like it's mm-hmm. not about relying on James Dolan to do anything. No. 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 That that had nothing to do with anything. It, it's just a standard. It just to me it just right. sets a standard to do it. Like
3: it's ridiculous to say that. Listen, the other 28 teams made a statement. None of them are leaders of the black community, so it's even ridiculous no. right. in itself to even say that.
1: Right. So, <laughs> so you know, and again, listen, I've spoken to MSG employees that come out in in his uh, support that say, you know, he's not a racist guy, he gives us opportunity, whatever. You look at the front office, excellent, excellent report. You talk about what Ch- what he did for Tyson Chandler. It's not about. Um, it's not about you know labeling a racist or anything. Right. It was I don't believe about, he's racist,
3: CP. I don't believe these It's not
1: at all about that. It's just about saying, you know, with the, again, you said it, not us, that the brand needed a makeover, right? The brand was getting hit in the media. And I just thought that was an opportunity to grab the bulls by the horns and be like, you know what? Yes, it's just words, but listen, words matter. Words matter. And and again, as a pillar of the community, it would have been good to say, you know, we're going to take the lead on this. Bridge the divide between law enforcement and the community. Bring some better days uh, ahead with, with this team and make the fans proud of us on and off the court. Something like that. You know, some, something along those lines. Something along those lines. But again, you know, the, he realized or, or his PR team, whoever it was, realized that it was soft and he tried to correct himself yesterday. So, I give him credit. It is what it is. The actions will speak louder. But it's the actions of us that's more important. You know, what, right. what will we do those that are uh, uh, passionate to to create change and impact Absolutely. what's going on out here. And that's going to fight for criminal justice reform and the other issues that are plaguing our communities. And that, Absolutely. you know, we as a people, as a community, as a fan base, again, if you're passionate about that, you can do, th- you can do things to make a positive impact. You don't have to be out there protesting. You know, protest is not my thing. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be an activist. You can donate to the activists.
0: You can donate, donate to
1: the groups that's going out there and trying to affect change. There's so many organizations that's out there on the front lines. You can right. donate and support. You know, throw your hat around them, support them. Sure, there's, can, there's so many things you can
3: do. Yeah, you can share information. You you can call call your congressman if you feel like there's some laws you want to yeah. actually. Can, there's a, there's a lot of things you can do. You can join Campaign Zero, Black Lives Matter. They want they need artists. They need researchers. You can do a lot.
1: You can do a lot, man. You could be a mentor. You can anything, man. Anything that contributes to the overall well-being of our people, of our society. You, you, you can get involved in every way. You don't have to be Martin Luther King, or don't you don't have to look for Martin Luther King to lead you. You can start with yourself, and then as things improve, you know, you can look to join groups or whatever affiliations that that you want to do. So yeah,
3: man. And, and yeah. I, I also want to say too is like I understand. I understand that ESPN gets on the Knicks a lot, but what I don't want to happen is I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to dismiss any and everything because ESPN said it. I I think that's what's starting to happen right now. Like, I don't want to disgrace. If they have a point, I'm going to agree. And I don't even watch ESPN. So I s I don't yeah, even know what don't, they're I saying. Don't, I
1: really don't watch it either. I don't even want to maybe I don't maybe Stephen A said something about it. I don't know. I'm not sure. I wasn't I wasn't right. watching. I wasn't sure. But I, I don't want to get into this habit of disagreeing with everything
3: ESPN says because ESPN said it. Like I then I feel like that's kind of what's starting to happen. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like think for yourself sometimes. Right. Now, oh, I'm gonna just take the opposite side of ESPN. What do you think?
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, it's it's, it's the LOL, you know, it's the LOL Nick syndrome, you know. What I yeah, mean? It's, it's the LOL Nick syndrome. Um, but like I said, you know, I don't want to dwell to too, you spend too much time on his statement. Whatever the case, I'm I'm trying to uh, myself be a leader in in creating positive change because I feel like a movement is being stirred up. Um, Absolutely. Uh, again, I'm not a protester, but clearly the protests have had an impact on, uh, uh, you know, the the expeditious manner in which these, these cops were, were, uh, charged, maybe not as fast as we'd like, but clearly mm-hmm. it put pressure to, 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 um, have some charges and upgrade the charge for the, for the mm-hmm. primary, uh, 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 you know, criminal here in this case. So right. it's working now. I think I see a lot of distractions going on. Number one, Gotta be careful with like the media, you know, consumption during these times, man. Take some take some breaks, <laughs> go outside, take a walk, exercise, because yeah, it's a lot. you go down that rabbit hole it's and watch all the videos going on and, and listen to this person going on. And because there's no leadership in this country going on right now, it's it's a dangerous thing, you know, for your mental and your physical health. So you definitely gotta be careful when you when you're consuming so much. On top I had of that to ACP, I had to step outside. <laughs> on top of that, we're in a pandemic. People are working from home. There's more people home watching TV, so a lot of us are not outside like that. So it's very, very easy to get caught down that rabbit hole, man. Don't don't fall for the okie doke. Facts. Definitely don't fall for the okie doke.
3: Take that walk, man. I had to take I had to take a couple of walks a day. (laughs)
1: Yeah, and 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 I'll say this: I'll say you know, there's a lot of. attention on the looting and i think that's such a distraction to the whole cause listen it's it's you know to me the people that want to say oh oh the looting is 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 not helping the cause those are people that don't want to help to begin with you know what yeah. i'm saying if you're going to get caught up in people robbing and stealing listen it's going on every day in front of our eyes and we don't we don't even pay attention to it
3: yeah that's why when people say oh don't loot because you know, it's, they're going to make it look bad and, it get, and it's going to make an excuse to... No. In my mind, the people who want it to look bad are going to find a way to make it look bad if <laughs> it
1: happens or not. That's it, bro. <laughs> Th- that's it.
3: I'm not <laughs> for looting. That's yeah. not what I'm saying. But you can tell when someone speaks and how they express themselves, whether they're looking for the
1: righteous or they're already setting their mind. Facts. Right? It, it's an excuse. I'm not here for it. People exactly. got to understand, bro. In every uh, uh, catastrophic situation, in ev- there's always going to be people looking to take advantage. Whether it's uh, uh, hurricanes, earthquakes, right? The, the fake Red Cross people that's calling your house to donate money. There's always people going to look to mm-hmm. scam when times are in distress. Okay, do I feel bad that Macy's and whatnot is getting looted? Not really. They'll get that back. They're major corporations that will get that money back. I feel worse for the mom and pop stores. Absolutely. You know, the Fordham Road thing. I'm not, I don't like that. You know, those people that worked hard to set up themselves for the American dream and and, you know have to now clean up the mess of, it's a lot you look at the people getting caught. It's a lot of young kids. There's a lot of, you know, I'm not making excuses for, but don't let that distract you from the main issue. The message. Don't let it distract you from the message. So I'm not. A, I'm not even you know concerned about that because it's it's just one big distraction. So my point is, there's plenty of ways for people to get involved if if, if you are passionate to do so, and let's let's do it. So, let's Let's do it, man. Don't don't I'm worry about say that again, yeah, man. I'm ready to work, man. I'm I'm, I'm I'm gonna make it a part of. I'm ready to step it up. We we got to do it. And like I said, everybody has a lane. Right? Again, you don't have to, don't look for the next MLK or don't try to be one yourself. If protesting is not your thing, don't protest. You know, use your craft, whatever it is, use your craft and figure out a way to use it to enhance your community. Whether you're an entrepreneur, whether you're a lawyer, whether you're a doctor, whether you're, you're a nutritionist, whether you open up a health food store, whatever it is, there's so many different ways. Um um to to make a change and make a difference using your path and your passions because Mm -hmm. that's that is gonna be the most effective way for you to reach people, right? You don't have to reinvent the wheel. Definitely. You can just use your passions and use your skills to figure out a way to to enhance your community. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, man. So uh well said, well said, definitely. Um let's go to um Ronnie Mack in the building. Ronnie, how you feeling? Okay, hold on. Yeah, Hang let me. Yep. Hello. Yeah, hello. Yeah, yeah. No speakerphone yeah. or anything. But go ahead. What's your point, bro? Yeah, I uh, took it. I took it off. Yeah, I yep. was just going to ask you guys what y'all thought about the uh, Drew Brees statement today. Yeah. And also, if players in general, NBA players, anything, do you feel like they should speak out more about what they see and get their voice? I just wanted to know what yeah. you guys think about that. Yeah, I mean, you know, Drew Brees' comments and and what Ronnie Mag is alluding to is Drew Brees was basically asked again if uh, uh, if he would support players kneeling for at the for the national anthem again next season, and Drew Brees basically said, "Well, I'm not going to support anything that that goes against." Uh, the flag and the military and the people that support our country and people that fight for our country. And it was a very tone deaf comment, especially with everything going on. Understanding that that's what Kaepernick had stood for. True um, Brees himself, JLs, took a knee for the national anthem with his team when everybody was doing it last year. And so, mm. yeah, he got dragged. He got dragged and, and rightfully so. It was, it was a tone deaf comment because... For somebody to see see it that way, still, you know, it, it's disappointing. It, it's disappointing.
3: Yeah, it's, it's 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 one of those it's one of those things where you, he drew the line in the sand. Is right, I, I'm I'll, I'll almost appreciating knowing that you that you're you're that you're that guy.
4: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I know
3: you're that guy. <laughs> I know what, what section of the back is to put you in. He
1: got dragged. Malcolm Jenkins' his own teammate dragged him. LeBron dragged him. Michael Thomas' his wide receiver dragged him. Uh, Alvin Kamara, you know, kind Deserving of side him. item. You at know. this
3: point, if you don't know what that kneeling was about, yeah. then it has nothing to do with <laughs> – It has everything, it has nothing to do with your
1: understanding and everything to do with you at this point. It's because, man, because, like, you have to understand, like, it's so political – The way we support things and the way that we come out for things that people just have it in their mind, like, you know, and and people are constantly saying that's not what it's about that, you know, we honor our men and women in service, man. Like, of course, everybody supports the troops, you know what I mean? It's not about. It's not about it's not disrespecting about a flag or anything exactly. like that. It's crazy. What about the people at home, Jay Ellis? That's watching the football game. How many people at home you think is standing up during the national anthem, hand to Nobody their heart, and reciting the words? They're right? scratching. You're on the couch, <laughs> dipping your wings in ranch. You know, checking your fantasy football, making sure your lineups are set before one o'clock, mm-hmm. and getting it in. Hats so, on and everything. Yeah, so it's just like you know, it, it's just crazy. But he'll he'll come out tomorrow and recant his statements, and you know that that's unfortunate for him. He he just missed the message, you know. Exactly. He he just missed the message. So again, nothing to to get you know caught up or in a stir about. But you know, you just hope he uh, one day he'll get it. That,
3: that's I'm, I'm not holding my breath. And yeah, me really, neither. I'm a Giants really fan care.
1: anyway, so it is
3: what it is. I don't, I don't even really care. Yeah, like, it, it, it is what it is. To, to I'm on yo, yo 2020 CP. I'm on my. I don't give. I don't give. A, I don't care what <laughs> nobody <laughs> thinks. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> you,
1: you just can't. You just can't get caught up care. in it. You know. You just can't get caught. I love
3: up it. Back, but I actually love it. I, I yeah. love. I love. I'm like I hate everything that happened. Yeah. But I love. I yeah. love this. I don't give it. I love it. It's just, you know,
1: again, when when you still stick to that, it's disrespectful to the flag. Oh, you, oh, you, oh, you
3: think it's disrespectful
1: to, to Neil? On the... It's, eh, it's just, you're an idiot. It's just, again, trying to toe It's that Dolan statement, man. It's trying to toe <laughs> the line and, like, not no. offend people who are against those causes. Let's be honest. Where do you stand? Where you do know? you stand? That's take, where I'm at right now. Where do you a stand, stand, man? You got to take a stand and not be afraid. Yeah. Of uh, uh, the uh, the blowback, you know, we're looking for the betterment of our society overall, betterment of our people, man. There's nothing wrong with that.
3: It's not because I feel like I feel like the reason why society got stuck in neutral because nobody knew where we where you stood. Like, yeah, racist stuff would happen, and people would code it, hide it, call mm-hmm. you a thug, do this, do that, do things in the dark, and and then hide their hand. Correct, and then. You look crazy when you say, Yo, this thing's happened to me. And he's like, Prove it. It was like, I can't prove it, really. And now you just look crazy in order to believe you. I yeah. like this energy, CP. Where do you stand? You
1: got You got to, You got to take a stand. I like bro. this energy. You, you got to take a stand because uh, enough mm-hmm. is enough. Uh, and and we, we need to see some changes, some systemic It's a, It's a revolution, bro. <laughs> it has to happen. Oh, my God. It's, I, 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 this is gonna be me for the rest of my life. I gotta love it. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, this that, just the reality. It's just the reality, man. But you know, again, um, again, you know, the, my message again is, you know, to, again, still, we still need unity. You still need to come together. And absolutely, the 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 messages through the media, the messages through our quote unquote leadership, it's all division. It's all division. It's all division, it's all division man. So we have to stay sharp, stay focused on the task at hand. And and come together with the people that want to come together with us, man. And don't you know, don't be afraid to, to bond and vibe for a and common absolutely. cause. Absolutely. And I,
3: and I said it on Twitter too. Like that's the thing I love about sports. The thing I love about sports is it brings people together yeah, who yeah. otherwise would not be yeah. together. Not only people I got cool with just from playing basketball or them whipping my ass or me whipping their ass. what are like that's that's what sports is.
1: Yeah. And that's you see, what sports you're seeing is. it now more than ever. Jails with no sports. And how, you know, tense these things are. But if we can come together as fans of a team to support that team, we should be able to come to, it should be easier to come together for other causes. We just have to take out those deep rooted learnings and, and, you know, those, those false narratives and those stereotypes that divide us in society. You know what I mean? Right. It's easy Absolutely. for you and the, and the next stranger to sit down and talk Knicks for an hour, right? Absolutely. But when you start talking about those quote-unquote controversial things, you know,
3: it gets mm-hmm. dicey. It gets super dicey. gets
1: dicey. So we should be able to come together the same way that we do around sports.
3: Exactly. Exactly. And that's the other thing about it too, is man, like sometimes, like depending on where they're coming, I, I don't jump down everybody's throat sometimes. Sometimes I actually sit down and listen to see where the, the weird Yeah thoughts come from and just try to dissect it and then hit them with a fact and see how they respond yeah that's
1: it <laughs> that's it that's oh, there's it.
3: certain people I, there's it. certain people I, I follow I still follow on Twitter <laughs> yeah. that I follow just so I can hit them with a
1: fact mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. just hit just them throw, with a fact throw it out there you just know? hit them just, just, just you best friends I, I see you acting crazy just just I'm gonna just hit you with a fact every now and again just a couple <laughs> lessons, man.
3: Just let you know you're crazy.
1: Absolutely, bro. <laughs> All right, man. Let, let, let's roll, man. I thought this this was a great conversation. Salute to Charlie Ward for coming on. Salute to everybody for watching. And uh great conversation, man. Well, you know, bottom line is we need justice, we need unity. Come together, man. Let, let, let's go. Uh, mm-hmm. JL let's go ahead and sign out, bro. Yeah,
3: salute, salute, salute. Um listen, if you did not have an episode of the Time Show. Because I uh, it was a weird weekend and was preparing for multiple things, but we are looking to have one soon, so keep a lookout for that on youtube.com slash the time show. Awesome um, also. Definitely check out the old episodes on SoundCloud and iTunes and Google Play. If you ever listen if you ever listen to us, we really talked about especially in our old episodes, we really talked about social issues in our episodes towards the end. So this is this is an interesting time. Where I feel like the next episode is gonna be good because we, we go all going to be unleashing in our bag. So definitely check out the Nicket Time Show. Also, definitely check out dot Show.com to read our blogs, read Ken's work, Dave wrote something nice, and enjoy that stuff as well. And also get the merch, even though the merch is, is, is coming out mad slow uh, because of the COVID stuff. Definitely check out the merch as well on dot com That is all that's UCP
1: alright appreciate it Jails. great show bro great job and suits so to everybody that joined us man great show great job uh, remember these shows are available in audio podcast format Spotify Apple Podcasts Google Play Stitcher Amazon Alexa hit that thumbs up button for your boys subscribe to the channel and share these videos share these videos with a Knicks fan or a basketball fan next time uh, so that we can get more people in here Um tomorrow they're expected to finalize the reboot of the season and it's gonna yep. reboot without the Knicks. So, uh, yep. what's being proposed is a twenty-two team, the sixteen playoff teams, and the six teams on the bubble uh, competing with, with the with the AC up for grabs in some sort of play-in tournament. So, we'll find out what uh, how that works tomorrow. Uh, they're expected to vote on it and vote and approve it. Disney World, the Sight Knicks season is over. Twenty-one and forty-five. The Knicks are locked in to the sixth. Uh, place, sixth worst record. All right. And so we'll see. Right now we're at a 50% chance at the seventh or eighth pick in the NBA draft. Give me, give,
3: give me two. Give me two. Just give me two. Anything's
1: possible, but let's see what happens. But uh, I'll probably be back to a quick show tomorrow, just breaking down uh, what's what's been finalized. But uh, yeah, man, that's it. Everybody be safe once again. Salute John Talento, JL's always first in here. Yeah, man. Alex Collins out in Ireland. All the mods. Dave, appreciate it. My guy Jared, appreciate it for throwing the compilations together. Fro Magnum, appreciate it for grabbing the highlights. TM, always appreciate it. Uh, Keith Sinclair, everybody in the chat, man. Be safe. Be safe out there. And uh, Sunday, Raven Felton, 3 p.m. Don't miss it. Uh, Gonna be a good one. Sunday matinee.